Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode 149 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa, and everything that you buy there is roasted specifically for whoever buys it. So if you buy coffee there, they're roasting it for you and then shipping it to your house. It's that fresh. It's probably the freshest coffee you'll be able to get, um, you know, maybe anywhere. Definitely much more fresh than going to a store and just picking up some random coffee that's sitting on the shelf. That's for sure. One of the other cool things about Couchtown is you can save 20%. All you have to do is go to CouchtownCoffee.com, find a coffee you like, make an order, and when you do make an order, enter the code Audible Farm. Just let them know Audible Farm sent you. Boom, 20% off. It's that easy. Why? Because Couchtown Coffee is that awesome. Thanks, Couchtown. This episode, I'm sitting down with Jeremy Ober. Jeremy and I sit down and talk about the Reforge initiative and the event coming up to raise funds for the scholarships that they offer. And I actually enlightened myself quite a bit in this episode. I didn't really realize how deep all these scholarships went. I didn't know the I didn't really know the reasoning behind them. I didn't know a lot of stuff about them. So I'm I'm learning this stuff as well as everyone else learning this at the same time. So I got to say, this is pretty cool stuff. Uh, Jeremy is doing some wonderful things for the community he lives in, and uh, he's just giving back to the people that have enjoyed his music throughout the years. So hats off to him for doing something that cool. There is an event coming up. We We talk about it in this podcast. I was going to try and put this podcast out the day before the event came out, but I'm putting it out a week earlier. So we talk about it in this episode like it's coming up tomorrow, but it's not. The event is um, Friday, July 30th, 2021. So that's a week from Friday. I know you're probably thinking like, what are you doing? And it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, I guess. (laughs) I thought for sure. I was like, I'm going to have this come out a day beforehand, but it's going to come out a week beforehand. That'll give you time to change your plans and get to the event because this is not something you're going to want to miss. I know it has been packed the last few years they've done it and justifiably so because it's for a good cause this is the third annual reforge initiative scholarship fundraiser there's a link to it down in the description section so so be sure to check that out and when you're listening to this episode just remember it's not tomorrow it's next week it is friday july 30th so put it on your calendar now i'm going to talk about it again in the outro just to make sure we're all on the same page it's friday july 30th at river hops in fort dodge starts at five ends at ten there's two bands, and we're going to talk about all that stuff in the episode, even though I am putting this out a week earlier than I originally thought I was. So, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Let's talk with uh, the man, Jeremy Ober. And uh, man, this is a really good one. I've, I have some really good conversations with Jeremy, but this one was really good. This one was really good. So, I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. Uh, this is episode 149 with Jeremy Ober. All right, so today I'm sitting down with Mr. Mr. Jeremy Ober, heavy on the Mr. How you doing, man? I'm good, how are you? Oh, I'm always good, you know that. Um, I was actually giving a guitar lesson today, and I was talking about you to the kid I was giving a guitar lesson to, and he's just like, I know Jeremy Ober, and I'm like, you know, that's like one of those things where like this kid who is still in high school knows who you are based on like, you know, just your merit of being a musician around the area, so I thought that was pretty cool. That's funny. Yeah, he bought a guitar from Chris, 
and uh, Chris Carr, one of your fellow former employee, employer people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly what the best way to say that is. It's the Audible Farm Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, your host, cool. oh, man. Stockdale. So, uh, yeah, today um, we're sitting down. I wanted to talk to you about, I mentioned it on the solo podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you have the Reforged fundraiser for scholarships and uh did you listen to the solo episode you usually listen to most of the stuff i have not gotten around to that one right, I, don't I just worry. finished uh <laughs> i just finished emily's oh that was a good so, one so i was not good caught one. up i got a lot of positive feedback on that one um, that was a good one yeah, yeah i think a lot of it was just you know emily's a great person so that ended up working out pretty well yeah but uh yeah the solo episode i kind of just guessed my way through uh exactly what the scholarship fund is and that's one of the reasons I kind of brought you on because it's coming up. Uh, this will come out on Thursday, so it'll you know your show is is it Saturday or Friday? My phone is being um, used. It's, it's Friday. It, so it's... so when the day this comes out, it's tomorrow. It's okay. Ne- next it, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a week from. Yeah, a week from pretty much a week away. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, this is happening tomorrow, and uh, it's going to take place at. You're doing it at. River hops, correct? Yep. All right. So I'm getting some of this information right that I guessed guessed my way through. Yep. I did actually uh, help make a guitar for it that you're going to... Are you going to auction it off there? Yeah. Sweet. You're still going to auction it off. I was wondering if there, you were going to be like, this thing's cool. I'm keeping it. Like, <laughs> nope. No, that's, that's getting auctioned. Oh, man. Is that, isn't that bittersweet kind of a feeling, though, when you're just like, you're just like oh, I guess I got to get rid of this thing. I said I was going to, you know? It's not like, oh, it's such a great guitar because I repainted it, but it's, you know... Oh, you know... It, it's never going to get played. It's just not, it's a beginner caliber, caliber guitar, you know? Yeah. I'm never going to touch it. You know, it is my first guitar ever, but. Yeah, that was, that was bittersweet. I remember talking with Carson about that and she was just like, I can't believe he let you take that thing and refinish it. And I was just like, yeah, you know, it's his. So I just, I did what he asked me to do, you know? So, yeah. Um, I guess, is, was that bittersweet to let go of your first guitar? You know, not really, no. Like, it, it'd be one thing if I was just, like, pawning it off. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. You totally. know, but no, uh, it's serving a purpose, so. That makes sense. Because, I mean, like, uh, I am I wonder how many people still have their first guitar they ever bought. I don't know. I mean, I. Do you? No, actually. No? I, I sold my first guitar to a guy that wanted to learn. And when he learned, he sold it to another guy. Okay. And then that just sat as decoration in his house. So I bought it back. And then I resold it again. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. So I've had my first guitar twice. So you didn't have a lot of sentimental value on it. I mean, I that's the whole reason I bought it back. But then I like bought it back, and I was like, I'm, I'm not gonna play this. So. Yeah. And it yeah. was, it was like you said, it was a beginner guitar. It was like a just a Squire Strat, you know, and yeah. one of the Affinity series. So it wasn't one of anything really high end. By that time, I was playing Les Pauls, and I was super into Les Pauls. You know, I'm sure you know that you you were a Les Paul guy for the longest time. Yep. Yep. So. I guess it is just what it is. So, this fundraiser, how did it all start? Like, that's, I mean, I th- I think we've talked about this once or twice beforehand, but never on the podcast. Um, well, you know, the whole point was uh, starting up the Reforge initiative. And so, when we ran the uh, jams at Patty's Pub um, for however long we were doing that, that, that was kind of considered the first step for the Reforge initiative, um, was to provide a place where you could get students out and, and yeah. have them, 
learn music and learn how to play live and all that stuff. Yeah, because sometimes your guitar students would show up to those jams and, yeah. and they'd play. Yeah, and I was and I was always going out to the college, you know, and and but you know, sticking my head in during jazz band practice and telling the kids that they all needed to come out and all that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, never did see many of the college students come out. There, there was a few of them that came out with some horns. Um, oh god, that would have been so cool. It was cool when they did show up. Go to a jam night and there's people there that are bringing horns. Yeah. I was. Whenever somebody brings something that's not a guitar, drum, or bass, I'm always just like, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm all about it, too. Yeah. yeah. Somebody yeah. shows up with a keyboard, or uh, I've, I've been to one where somebody brought a violin once, and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's, yeah. it's, it works. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's really neat. Uh, what like Did you work for the college for a while, giving lessons or something yeah, like I was, that? Yeah, I was the applied guitar instructor for... A long time. Do they still have anything like that out there? Yeah, I think um, uh, Steve Kelleher, I believe, is teaching the course now. Cool. Maybe I should. And I think he teaches more than just guitar. You know, obviously, he's a multi instrumented person. So maybe I should go out there and buff up my skills a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to learn classical guitar, he's definitely the guy. Oh, dude. He's super proficient at it. Dude, I would be so interested in that. As odd as it sounds, you know, I. I think when I first started learning guitar, this is actually a conversation I had with my student, was like, when I first started learning, I was like, I want to play punk rock and I want to play metal. That's the best music ever. And then like the deeper you get into it, you're like, these blues dudes aren't really like shredding, but they've got so much emotion in what they got going on. And it's like the bluegrass guys have no distortion, but they're shredding on clean channels. And it's like every every time I ran into a new style, I was like, oh, this is nuts. You know, when you actually try to play it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it opens your eyes to all genres of music you know i didn't i didn't really listen to anything but metal until i got a guitar and and then all of a sudden you know i slowly worked my way into blues initially you know and then into jam bands found the allman brothers that changed my life you know and then now now i've I've given up disliking music so (laughs) so i I don't dislike songs anymore I, i always try to find something that's good that i like about it the only one that i can't find anything good about is ring my bell that disco tune <laughs> I, I hate one, that. that's one song i hate that tune that, there's song. nothing redeemable about that <laughs> I, I tried so hard yeah you tried so hard and you got so far mm-hmm. but in the end it didn't, yeah. didn't really matter. great song <laughs> <laughs> oh you know that is actually one of the things i think i look up to you about is the fact that um if i ever come over to your place and we we jam or talk or whatever it's you always have something different on the turntable i think like i mean you had like big band stuff on earlier today when i came over yeah yeah. that's like this is this is nuts this is nuts like i would have never thought to have spun this at my own house and here i am coming over to someone else's house and they're listening to anything you know i mean you're always you're always pretty open-minded about that i think that's it translates well into like what you do live too but let's let's get back on track with the uh, the Reforge initiative. So, at Patty's Pub, how did that translate from having a place where everyone could jam and and things like that to you eventually collecting money to give out a scholarship? Well, you know, I'm, uh, I always come up with like the most ridiculous, huge plan. So there's always like <laughs> eighty steps to them, <laughs> okay. and 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 so and so this was just like the next step. To, to what the Reforge Initiative could potentially be, in our view. And so um, we decided to start a scholarship fund. You know, there was also a short, kind of a short window of time into which, 
um, a handful of people had passed away, um, you know, that were pretty elemental to the music scene. And, and even though they lived very different lives, you know, um, and so we started a scholarship, four scholarships in Becky Joslin's name, uh, Jeremy Caldera, Bill Kurtz, and Paul Reisner. All right. And so um, that was just kind of something that that sounded nice to us. Like, and, you know, it'd be nice if they had scholarships. They were always at shows, you know, the people that we knew, uh, Paul Reisner, I played with. And I was actually going to ask you that. Were all these people musicians, or were they fans no, of music, too? Or? Uh, Paul Reisner is actually the only musician out of, out of them. He played drums and cheap drinks. Oh, cool. Um, but Becky Joslin was always at shows. Bill Kurtz uh, was always at shows, and he was one of the founding members of Lizard Creek Blues Society. Oh, sweet. So, so he was like a huge music nerd, you know. And mm-hmm. he'd come out, and he'd always tell me about who he saw at Byron's or, you know, whatever. He always had a story about some act, you know, that mm-hmm. he had seen. Um, and then Jeremy Caldera was, you know, the tattoo artist for Crave Tattoo. Um, and Crave Tattoo has kind of endorsed us, um, in a certain manner of what, speaking, I guess, for years now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we got close to Jeremy, um, at least Ferry and I did. So that, that was the idea was just to give out scholarships, make them applicable to what they actually did for a living. Becky was a nurse, um, and Bill Kurtz, we just did the music one since he was a music lover. And, you know, Paul was a salesman out of Ford, so mm-hmm. we did the business scholarship under him. And so, and, and everyone had a different walk of life, so we decided to um, make the scholarship pertain to what that walk of life was to at so least get, a certain extent. So you got music, business, nursing, what's the last one? Art. Art. Yeah. See, I guess I was under the impression they were all music, so this actually makes it even cooler. It's the whole fact that, you're not just pigeonholing it to music, so it's it's not just like, well, you have to like music in, in order to come and donate money. No, it it pretty much translates to almost every walk of life. Right. You yeah. know, I mean, music and art, those kind of go hand in hand, but then and then you go nursing, and then you go uh, business on the other end of it. And I mean, I'm a, are these like open-ended scholarships? Are they scholarships to just a single place? Like, can, if somebody wins the scholarship, could they go anywhere with it? Or Yeah, they can go anywhere. They, they just have to be graduates from... Uh, Fort Dodge School. Oh, cool, cool. So you're keeping it local, but also kind of allowing people to go just about anywhere with it. Yeah. I I think the nice part about that, too, is the fact that, um, I mean, this just comes from my experience of going to Iowa Central, but, like, Iowa Central has a pretty good following in most of those departments. Like, they're pretty stout programs in all those departments. Yeah, especially the nursing program. Yep. Yeah, I did did some of the business one, and uh, I know a lot of people that double majored utilizing the business major there. Um, but yeah, I mean like every one of those departments is pretty, pretty good at Iowa central. And I think that's one of the other cool things is like, if, if these people don't want to just like, I want to go out of state and go to big college and do the whole thing. They can just stay right here and utilize the scholarship to the best of their abilities, you know? Yep. Sure. So is it just Fort Dodge senior high or is it St. Ed's as well? St. Ed's as well. Nice. So any Fort Dodge graduate. All right. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean like. What 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 even gave you the idea to do this? I mean, I, I get that uh, you lost some people that were kind of involved in your circle and things like that, but it, I guess to me, it doesn't translate. Like if if I had a friend die, I wouldn't. I mean, this isn't nothing against it, but I wouldn't just be like, well, I'm going to start a scholarship in their name. You know, like was it something you had planned, kind of in the past, or did you did you start out with four scholarships initially? Were there always four? 
Um, yeah, there are always four. Um, there's going to be five next year. Um, our buddy Jeff Jenkins passed at the Moose Lodge, and and so oh, we're starting moose. one up for him um, next year. It's a, the money's already raised for it. It oh, was dang. raised in one day. <laughs> Holy crap! And, and so <laughs> it, he, it's already funded for the first year's scholarship for him. Um, and and so in you know the whole point or the the possibility I guess that we see in the Reforge Initiative program is to spe- specifically kind of in strength in Fort Dodge okay. um, because Fort Dodge is a town that we're endeared to. It's been very good to us. So we kind of see it within, you know, rights or best interest or whatever, whatever, whatever you, it may be to, to kind of head up a community product project to do what we can on that front, I suppose. Yeah. I guess like when you put it like that, I mean, as a musician, you, you wouldn't, really make any money unless you were at a show and you cut your teeth locally and so like those are the people that not only like paid you but also maybe tipped you or or they were the reason you got paid to do what you wanted to do in the first place so why not give back to the community that did all that for you, you know? yeah sure and i you know i think we kind of feel that you know if you if you're in if you're anywhere um and and you know that that place like throws enough support at you to like give you a little bit of weight in in the town you know i think it's kind of the responsible thing to do to probably throw that weight around a little bit in a positive way if if you can do it you know yeah i mean using your powers for good and not evil i mean oh there's plenty of evil but yeah yeah, a little bit of good yeah i mean mean, it's true though like uh let me ask you this this is gonna this might put you on the hot hot seat here so like when i first started playing guitar i was like i can play power chords and i can play like three open chords i'm the man let's throw some distortion on this thing look how cool i am i got long hair i'm i'm the man you know like i just thought my well here comes the profanity i thought my shit didn't stink i was just like i'm the coolest did you ever have any of that because you always seemed like a pretty grounded person um i think probably the first two years i definitely did you know um for no good reason i wasn't a popular kid in high school or anything like that you yeah. know no, no one really thought i was particularly cool for playing guitar but <laughs> but like, i thought i was just the shit you know, you know? Yeah. Like, like it's like well who else here plays guitar it's just me and my friends like you know to, to us it's like whatever you guys aren't cool <laughs> <laughs> and that's just probably our way of dealing with the fact that no one thought we were cool <laughs> it's like almost like you turned turned the thing of like being unpopular into just be like oh I actually am cool because I do this, and you're not cool because you don't do this. Right. I think some of what mine was was just, like, I just saw that, like, I can be loud, and people, like, almost, if you're in a room with them and you're playing guitar, they have to sit and listen. You know, it was more, like, I don't, you know, gratuitous on my part. But the thing that turned it around for me was the whole fact that I, when I started going out and playing shows, like, uh, one of the, th- this is going to sound really weird. So, like, when I was younger, um, I was in a band in high school, and you were playing bar shows and things like that because you're just a couple grades older than i was um we didn't go to school together or anything but i still knew who you were and uh you invited my high school band to like come open up for you at a show once and i was just like all right this sounds cool i'm gonna go check them out live somewhere and we'll see what it's like and i went and saw you live and i was like no no this guy's too good (laughs) like if we go there we're gonna embarrass ourselves you know and that was pretty much what i thought and uh i think going out and realizing that there's people in the music scene that were like more talented was what kind of like was the humbling feeling for me that kind of knocked me off my high horse and actually made me realize I got to work at it a little bit. 
Well, uh, you know, my first band, we were never competitive of other bands, you know, you know and, and we, it, like, immediately started playing shows, you know, like, we basically bought our instruments, you know, wrote three shitty songs, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with horrible lyrics, and, and worked them up, you know, like, three practices, and went and played a show, <laughs> and, and, and so that, that's how fast that, that went, and, and, you know, our second show ever, I believe, was like this big multi-band thing that happened at the college at Iowa Central. Oh, cool! And um, so, so we went there, and it wasn't well attended. We were playing in the auditorium and everything, you know. But we thought it was the coolest thing ever because we actually got to see <laughs> other bands, you know. And and the bands, you know, some of them were like great, and some of them were. You know, it's you know really green as well. Yep. You know, but at the at the time, like to me, it's like, oh my god, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm, I'm just like obsessed with every band. You know, um, and and so for me, that was pretty cool. And and we definitely like right out of the gate, there was like some really good bands there that that I I'm pretty sure if I went back and listened to them, I would still think they were style bands. I'm pretty sure it just wasn't like 16 year old me geeking out you know yeah um and so like right out of the gate we're like oh geez <laughs> like these guys are crazy good you know so we, we never had any illusions about being the best at anything you know yeah. but we thought we were pretty cool still yeah. yeah i mean maybe that's something for like me i came from a small town and nobody else played instruments really and i was always just like oh nobody else does this so we're the cool ones you know we're look how awesome we were and it, it wasn't until i w was older and i finally went out and watched other people play music and i was just like oh i'm not i'm actually not that good you know <laughs> like I, I don't know why that was so humbling or like so sobering for me but it definitely like struck a nerve to the point where like i actually just like quit playing the guitar for a while because i was like i'll never ever get to this level ever and then you know it wasn't until my late 20s i realized like oh you're never gonna get there if you don't try you know so i had to try and you yeah. know but and no matter what level you get to you're always gonna want to get to another level yeah. yeah oh god i'm glad i'm glad you said that because like i mean there's a lot of people that like around our age group like a lot of people and this isn't me just being like toot toot for you but a lot of people see you as like the mountaintop for the area for our age group like there's not too many people that are too much quote unquote better i mean oh well i'd humbly disagree i'd, I'd say you know that off the top of my head ron lee king's you know, yeah. better than me, you've a lot better you've, than me. You've always, you've yeah. always said that actually. And, and Chris Carr definitely is up there too. You know, it, you know, and, and plus I play with you know Sean Minikis, who's like the blues guy. You know, if you yep. put me on a blues song with him, you know, I'm definitely out of my element. Even, but if you if I can play blues on any stage, mm -hmm. you know, it just depends on who's up there with you if you're going to sit there and be like, okay, am I better or worse than this guy? Which I can generally gauge, you know, not in any sort of, you know, um, com competitive manner or yeah. anything like that, but just understanding where your material's probably going when you're on the stage with this person, you know? That makes sense. Um, and, you know, so, so I, I guess my claim to fame is that I can play just about any situation okay, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, well, not everyone can do that. And and so with that said, there's people that just specialize and get really good at doing something. And it's like, oh, yeah, they're better than me. But if we play a metal song, all of a sudden, like, yeah, like, yes. like to them, they're just like, oh, man, you're the metal guy. But, 
you know, to all my metal friends, I'm the blues guy, you know. You so. know, there is actually a lot of truth to that. Having gone to, like, jam nights and seen you play and stuff, you don't really st- stick to one area ever, you know. Right. I mean, I've seen you play guitar with Carson, and you're playing, like, what I would just call, like, pop songs for the most part. Yeah. Even though I wouldn't just be, like, you know, pop songs. But they are, you know, yeah, to an extent pop songs. And it's like, even then, I'm just like, how is, how is this possible? Like, this guy was just up there shredding a second ago. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things, I guess. I mean, what kind of drove you to do that, I guess, to be kind of a generalist uh, when it comes to, like, playing the guitar? Um, I think it was just basically getting um so exposed to different styles i guess just out of interest of playing an instrument um in every genre there was always something that rocked my world you know i'd, I'd always find at least you know i'd, I'd find a, a jazz tune you know when i found t-bone walker to where he was a blues player with a big band behind him um i was just like holy shit what is this like this opens up so many more avenues like this sounds huge you know Mm -hmm. you know for an old school blues player to have this horn section behind him um and so then that all of a sudden i'm looking at horn players and stuff and getting into into jazz all of a sudden you know so it's just it's a dark it's a dark deep hole to go down (laughs) you, you know because once you get into like you know the two things that i'm into most really is is jam bands and jazz bands you know, and, and there, there's so much out there. Like, it's impossible to cover it all or find it all or even get the gist of what's out there, you know. And that's exciting to me. I like the fact that there's undiscovered things about those um, those genres. And so applying the stylistically those to any other thing, you can write a metal song and throw in a jazz lick that you, you know, heard off a Coltrane album or some shit like that, yep. you know. Um, and it works, you know, it, it makes things really interesting. So, so I think it's more interesting, I guess, is the short answer <laughs> is that it's more interesting to play everything than one thing, because one thing bores me after a while, you know, you know, it's very true. Cause I guess if you were just trying to shred the whole time, it's like, just play as fast as you can the whole time. Like that would probably get pretty derivative of itself, you know? Yeah. And it used to be what I did. You know, I, I don't, I think, I think I had, I thought I had to shred every solo until I was probably, 22 years old <laughs> you know and, and then i joined cheap drinks with chris carr and sean minicus and every time i take a solo for the first you know few shows eventually they come up it's like you know you know i have to play every note every solo uh, and, and i'm sitting there listening to them play and i'm like oh my gosh these guys sound so good you know like this is really tasteful and then i, and then I actually step back and listen to myself just go you know when it's my turn yeah. it's like oh sound like such a jackass. <laughs> I'm not helping this song at all. So it's just growth to know when to shut up, I guess. You know, as you like, you always quote uh, Scott Dahl. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, get out of the way until it's your turn to get in the way. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's good advice. Yeah, it is good advice. And I, like I said, the first time I heard it, I was just like, that's so mean. And then I was like, no, that's good advice. Like, yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. And it's true, though, like what you said about, like, shredding. Like, there's a difference between, like, I mean – there's nothing wrong with shredding shred it up if you want but there is a point where it just becomes like noise uh if you're just doing all of that all the time just tons and tons of it just playing all the notes and like you said it's there's something about being like tasteful and playing less notes or like picking the right time to shred a little bit more you know it's like uh this solo is slow-ish at the beginning and then there's this middle section that has like a little bit more 
fluttery, shreddy stuff, and then it kind of goes back into this more melodic stuff at the end, you know, or, you know, you kind of break it down a little bit. You're talking about jazz bands and jam bands, um, and I always think it's weird because I've, like, I follow a few jazz bands online, and I feel like so many of them are, like, polarizing because some people that, like, enjoy jazz will get on there and be like this isn't jazz this is jazz and it's like doesn't matter oh. what anybody posts it's <laughs> yeah. the same thing with there's jazz there. yeah there's yeah. it's same thing with jazz band or jam bands too there's some people that are just like oh fish sucks ween is the best you know they like always like it's like why are you crapping on one when they're like pretty much to me they're the same thing if, as far as i'm concerned you know but like yeah i mean if you really have to spend that much time just talking shit about somebody it probably reflects more on the person saying it than the than the person they're talking shit about, you know? That's true. Because you really need to go out and be like, this band sucks. <laughs> like, 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 for what? What? What's the purpose? I don't like, know. all you have to do is not listen to them. Yeah. You know? And like, not follow them on social media. <laughs> so easy. Like, but but instead, stuff. it's like, no, I'm going to be proactive about this opinion. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, I got to let the world know. So it's just so silly that anyone has conversations. You're 100% right, too. <laughs> it's an opinion. Every, and it's not, I hate the old saying, every, opinions are like assholes, everyone's got one, yes, I get it. But like, I always thought it was weird when people tried to pass off their opinion as like, the gospel and the truth, you know? Yeah, and, well, everyone thinks they're right, you uh, know? Yeah. I think I'm right about everything. Yeah, I think. But, I, but, know, I'm, but I also too. don't know I'm right about everything, so that's why I try to shut up as much as I can, you know? Uh, so, that's actually a pretty prophetic statement, um... You think you're right about everything, but you don't know if you're right about everything, or you know you might not be right about everything. Yeah. You know? So that's that is actually pretty wild. I never really thought, you know, goddamn. I feel like every one of these podcasts, like for the last two or three months, somebody has said something that's just like I'm going to write this down as like a daily affirmation. You know? <laughs> just <laughs> like, make a little book of daily prayer with uh, just quotes from the podcast. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to have to publish a book about this quotes from the podcast. Uh. I I could easily do it. Um, you know. And that's something else I'm learning, like doing the podcast, playing more music with more people. It's like, I can learn something from everybody. It doesn't matter who it is. For sure. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, like when I did the podcast with Emily Johnson, like before and after we were talking about like how good either one of us is at what we do. And, and she had mentioned something. She's like, I'm just like a novice guitar player. And I'm like, I would tend to disagree. Like there's some things you do that I wouldn't think about doing, even though what you think you're doing is novice. It's not something my brain thought of, you know? And I think that's one of the most important things about music and maybe life in general is, is realizing that, that like, uh, you might not have all the answers, you know? Mm. And that's, I mean, I guess that's something, I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's something I just, as of late has really kind of been grinding on me quite a bit, especially with these podcasts when people come off with one liners like that, you know, it's mm -hmm. just like, okay, all right, now I gotta, I gotta reconsider how I'm doing everything in my life. And now it seems like, <laughs> <laughs> so this, uh, reforge initiative scholarship fundraiser is, is going to take place. You said it was Friday. Okay. I remembered that. Yep. And it's at river hops. Mm -hmm. Remembered that. And it's tomorrow. So Friday is tomorrow. Yeah. And that's when it's going to take place. Um, what's the, it's, what is the admittance fee? I guess a 10 attendance fee, admittance fee. It's, it's $10 to get in, but that $10, uh, also grants you a meal and a free drink. Well, and it already so, pays for itself. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, maybe you go. You, the average beer I think in River Hops runs five dollars. So you know, half your admittance fee is is that, and then you know, you'd probably easily pay five dollars for you know whatever meat that the 
barbecue society's bringing the Iowa barbecue society's providing the meat oh no way so it's not just like some sack lunch with like a cold no, sandwich. No, it's, it's like gonna be really good meat so, Dude, that's so awesome. yeah yeah so they're uh they, they pitched in food uh four dodge four and has pitched in food and so has fairway nice nice yeah that's pretty cool so uh who who's gonna be at the show then i know i know you're gonna be i i know who's gonna be there but let's let's promote it like i don't know uh so you're gonna be there playing music with brutal republic yep and then and then we got riddle with class coming in this year nice have you always had two bands on there or was it uh one band or did you ever try and do it differently Um, it's it's always been two acts yeah i think the first one that we ever did scott kirkhart uh played a set at the beginning um and then the chris carr band played a set at the beginning as well stellar so this would be the third year this is the fourth year um that we're giving it away it's um but we didn't have an actual fundraiser for the first year all all of those funds were actually raised through facebook oh to to actually start all the scholarships yeah i kind of remember that you know i had i mean that's it's dumb to be like well four years ago i barely remember that but it was I do recall it all starting up like, and that was like right when I first started jumping back in the music scene up here. And, uh, you know, I owe a lot of that to you. I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast before me and other people, but like, you're one of the people that always encouraged me to like, Oh, here's a guitar. You can play some stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not following no Jeremy over up here. (laughs) But you can. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It turns out. out. That's like one of the other things, like you're always so encouraging about this kind of stuff. And, uh, I think I think just you and your personality and who you are is like added a lot to the music scene around here. Not just not just as a performer, but also as like a peer to other people. Um, not just people your age, but older and younger than you. I mean, I mean, I'm even going to the point where like you give lessons to people that I've seen play live around me. That it's just like this kid's better than me, and he's 17. Like, you know, so mm. like you've definitely inspired a lot of people to do a lot of good things around the area. Is that something you had in mind when you started playing up in this area um, more often? Or was that something that was, like, always on your mind? Like, I'm going to do my best to be, like, the most positive influence around. Or was it something that just kind of happened by happenstance? Or um, No, it probably definitely wasn't that way at first. You know, I started giving lessons <clears throat> out of what I thought, I guess, what I thought to be necessity. Because I had already made up my mind to be a professional musician, so... You know, at, at a whole 18 years old, when obviously you make all your life decisions and they always <laughs> stick. Yep. You know, at 18, I was like, no, this is the life for me. I'm going to be a full-time musician. I'm, you know, and, and I'm going to commit myself to that craft. And that means I can't have any real job, you know. <laughs> and, and, to the man. Yeah, and so I went into Raymond's and, and uh, saw that they had a sign that they were looking for a guitar teacher. and I, And so I was like, yeah, I'll do it, you know, and then it turned into like, you know, a pretty significant job. I think, you know, eventually I had like 40 students a week out there. Woo! So, so it got to be, you know, really significant, really fast to where, you know, I'm sitting there living in my parents' house. I don't have anything to pay for outside of like gas in my car, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm, and I have 40 students a week, you know, <laughs> and, and that's when I got the bulk of the instruments that I own today and, you know, the, my amp, my uh grace my les paul um i got two acoustic guitars you know i I bought like the bulk of what i needed right then and there Mm -hmm. um and then i've just squandered all my money since (laughs) i don't have any i hardly have anything new (laughs) that was another thing that always kind of impressed me about you was like 
I I am somebody who likes to acquire and try new gear and flip it if I don't like it kind of deal. And you were always somebody that just kind of like, I bought what I liked and what I needed and I used that and that's it. Do you think that lends itself to you? Like you're not spending all this extra time researching like new guitars and new things to try out and hunting down deals and like going on Facebook and scouring through the marketplace and, and hunting stuff down on Craigslist all the time. Do you think that lends itself to you spending more time actually just playing the guitar? Mm, I don't know. Maybe maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. You know, I, I mean, to be honest, there's long stretches of time into which I actually don't practice at all. You know, it, which it's kind of a absurd thing that you never practice an instrument that you're holding for hours every day, whether I'm giving guitar lessons or playing a show. It, I have a guitar in my hand every day for hours, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's kind of absurd that you don't get to practice it, so... This year, I've been actually trying to practice and work on theory and technique here and there or something like that, you know. Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I really only hold a guitar in my hand if I'm not making an effort when I'm working, I guess. So, you know, it, not not looking up guitar gear and stuff like that probably doesn't change anything one way or another, you know. I don't know. Maybe maybe if I did look up gear, I'd be more committed to practicing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I was really dumping that much money into gear. I don't know. You know, that was actually something that, like, I had read it online for, like, forever ago. And it was like, if you're in a stagnant spot, like, buy a new piece of gear because it can either, like, lead you down a new path or it can make you feel, like, obligated to actually play the new piece of gear, you know. I, would, I think I would agree with that, especially with guitars. You know, when it's actually the physical instrument that you're holding, um, there's different things that come out of that instrument, I find. Yeah. You know, maybe something that you never would have thought of on another guitar. Mm -hmm. Um, So so I think a guitar, yeah. If you have a guitar that you're writing banging songs off of, uh, keep going back to that guitar. (laughs) Yeah. You know, (laughs) even if it's not the guitar that you perform it with, you know, always go back to that guitar if, if, if you're getting that much good material out of it. I think I think an instrument plays a large role in that. Yeah, I would definitely concur. I'm not much of a songwriter. Um, I I would say I'm like uh, I begin songwriting and then just quit halfway through. <laughs> but but I I do also have to say that like when I would hook up a different guitar and just like put a microphone in front of an amp and just start recording stuff, the stuff that came out of different guitars was always different. And I don't know whether or not it was like in my brain or whether or not it was what the instrument lended itself to or. Or what? It's probably, you know, the truth probably lies in the middle, <clears throat> you know. And, you know, you get you get a certain tendency when you hear something out of a certain pickup on a guitar, you know, you never know. Or maybe the fretboard just lends itself. You find your hand finds, you know, its way to a different place on a fretboard that's not so thick or something like that, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, you never know. Or, or, you know, maybe it's more significant, maybe it's less, who knows. Yeah, you never know. So you would think the instrument holds more regards to like changing style or adding or subtracting away from what you're doing than say like a guitar amplifier or, and you've never been a pedal guy, so it's not really something I can be like, oh, you've ever tried a phase pedal? You know, I can't just like throw that in there as something because it's not like. Which sure, and I think that's actually a good example, you know, because no, I don't, I don't use pedals, but I've played, you know, I've, I've dinked around on numerous pedals you know like especially like the weird ones like the flangers and stuff like that like oh this is goofy you know Mm -hmm. um and for sure if you have that effect on your guitar you're not gonna play the same stuff 
Yeah. You know, probably the more bizarre the effect or the more saturated with effect that your guitar is, the more your your style or what you tend to do changes. Yeah. I would say. Do you think that... Uh, do you think your style lends itself to having no pedals or is that like why you don't necessarily use or have any? Or is it something where... You're, I mean, like, you're obviously not playing shoegaze, so you don't need 26 pedals up there and, and having 14 of them on at any given time, but... You know, I'm I'm just, you know, maybe it's like there's a bend that's about to happen to where this changes, but, you know, I've just never been all that interested by tone, I guess. I like, I can recognize a good tone. Mm-hmm. I can get a good tone out of my amp, yes. you know, and, and so. I can, I'll concur to that. <laughs> and, yeah, and, 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 you know, I, I, I like the way certain guitars sound, mm-hmm. you know, but as far as really manipulating, you know, what it sounds like, I guess I'm just not all that interested when it comes to just like hitting a pedal and leaving it on and say, okay, now it's doing that. You know, I'd rather try to find a way to do something similar to that on the instrument, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's something else. Like the way you utilize an instrument was something else that was kind of eye opening to me. Cause I used to just be like a full blast, leave the volume on 10. Don't, don't touch the tone knob, leave it on one pickup all the time. And that like kind of, when I saw you doing some stuff live one time, I realized it's like, oh, you're rolling off the the volume to clean stuff up sometimes, and other times you're switching the channel to clean stuff up. It kind of just depends on what, what you're doing, you know? And Right. <clears throat> so I, I never touch a tone knob. <laughs> my, my, my tone <laughs> knobs stay at 10 at all times. <laughs> never touch them. Um, but volume knobs I touch a lot um, because, you know, a guitar's... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. A guitar's volume knob volume is kind of a misleading term as far as what that knob does on a guitar you know because it's not really a volume knob it's a gain knob yeah that, that that's what it is so you know there there was a point in time into which the republic played shows and i didn't even have a channel switcher i would i would just if i needed a clean tone to strum i would just back my volume knob off as much as it could go you know and once i turned it up i'm on the gain that i you know, the highest gain I'm going to use on mm-hmm. the show, you know. And so it, it's it's doable to not even have anything. But if, if you really want some contrast in the way that my writing stylistics went, I suppose, um, I needed that contrast between a, like, really, like, pretty clean channel, you mm-hmm. know, and, and a distorted channel. You couldn't get it just from the volume knob alone. But you can come close. Yeah. You know, you, you can come pretty close to just getting a clean tone out of a really gainy, distorted channel yep. just by rolling the volume knob off. And so that that's the mo- that's more useful than a pedal to me, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, I think it sounds different. Like, if you cleaned up a, a gain-filled channel, I think it sounds different than if you just flipped on the clean channel. Yeah, and, and it becomes more dynamic, too, <clears throat> how you attack the strings. You, you can play softly and keep it, you know clean and then you dig in your pick and hit it hard and then it breaks up you know and, and that's all the blues players were doing like all the old blues players yeah like you know in the 40s and 50s you know yeah they just had they just had an amp turned up all the way until it distorted mm-hmm. and then they just played off of dynamics yep yeah i mean I, that was actually something i learned when i got my first like small uh class a style amp it's pretty much just like the harder you attack the strings the more distortion comes out of it and that's pretty much what it what it dwindled down to yep sure and i mean um i mean that's a lot of that's just how the amp is built and things like that and that took me a while to like realize some of that stuff but 
I mean, that's that's probably one of my favorite things about going and watching new people play live is the fact that I, I can always learn something from everybody, it seems like. It doesn't matter whether or not it's it's you or, or Emily Johnson just playing acoustic and singing or whether or not it's, it's Scott Kirkhart. It really doesn't matter who it is. I'm always kind of peeking in on what people are doing. Sometimes I'll watch what bassists are doing and I'll be like, I wonder what that sound would sound like on a guitar. You know? Sure. And I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of that. And there's plenty of people to choose from around this area as far as who to go watch and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a lot of people to learn from. Yeah, that's, that's for damn sure. Yep. So the Reforge Initiative show, which is, once again, this Friday. It's tomorrow. And it's... What time does it start? I guess I don't even... Five o'clock. Five o'clock until... Ten o'clock. Five until ten. And if people want to donate, can they donate money or is there going to be auctioned items or is there going to be free stuff or yes yeah, so we got the guitar we're auctioning it off we're going to have a, I, I believe at least two drums <laughs> we're seeing how that goes that are painted oh yeah um, that's right i remember somebody and, mentioned and that. so you know they're not done yet i mean yes they are done today but yes <laughs> you know <laughs> you know but two weeks ago who knew yeah and, and so, you know so i don't know we'll have at least a guitar to auction off but outside of that all proceeds to anything uh goes to the scholarship fund so none of the bands are getting paid or anything it's all donated time oh wow um and riddle with classes even donating the sound system yeah hats off to them day. yeah yeah i mean they're they're definitely a band that's got um they got their shit together when it comes to like having a sound system and things like that. They do, you know? yeah, they, they sound great. Yeah, they always do. Um, I I want to say I think they just re like this year just reshuffled some of their stuff and it's like well they sold off some of their stuff and bought some new stuff as a band. So I'm assuming it's going to sound really really good. Are you guys going to do it outside? I'm I'm guessing as long as weather permits. Yeah, man, I could just imagine how packed that place is going to be if. It has to be inside. The, the first time we did it, it actually had to be inside because of rain. Oh, no. But it wasn't that big of an event, the first one. Yeah. So, well, yeah. this one's, this one's going to be big. I remember seeing uh, pictures from last year's. No, not last year. Two years ago's event. Last year's event? It's probably last year's. <clears throat> last year's was pretty big. Yeah. It was probably last year's then. Yeah. Um, I was gonna actually going to ask you that during COVID. You had an event, but it was kind of when COVID was over. Uh, the first time it was over, I guess. Yeah. When it... Because COVID did that whole like accordion thing where it's like everybody stayed inside and then everyone went outside for a while and then everybody had to go back inside for a while, you know. So yeah, yeah. There, there was that small grace period in there where the summer was pretty normal. Yeah, it was. It honestly was. I don't. That was kind of a weird, weird last couple of years for music. But you know, it's nice to know that this didn't get shut down entirely because of that or didn't fold entirely because there were like whole bands that just disappeared and went away forever because because sure. yeah. COVID just happened, you know. So yeah. So how big are the scholarships, I guess? Let me ask you that one. Do you know that off the top of your head? 500 each. 500 each. That's nothing yeah. to sneeze at, man. Yeah, it's not a huge amount, but we hope to actually grow the scholarships as time goes on. Hopefully, if we can have bigger bigger events or maybe more opportunities to raise the money, um, then hopefully we can actually up the uh, value of the scholarships. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy for you or anyone else to say, like, well, that's not a huge amount, but I'll tell you what, if... You know, oh, the cost of school and dirkety dirkety. But like, give me $500 if you don't think $500 is a lot of money. You know, Especially, like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of freaking money uh, to give away. At least I, pays for books, probably. Oh, yeah, definitely. So. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously school is getting expensive, but everything's getting expensive. And the $500 is a lot of money to go towards anything. How do you decide who gets the scholarships? Is there like a random drawing or does, is there a committee that sits down and votes on it? Uh, the committee is us. So basically, to you know, the 
um, applications are put out to the high schools and they have to write an essay as well and, you know state what exactly they want to do in the field not just they want that they that they want to go in a field um, so we basically just sit down and have cigars and pick out four winners you know yeah so it's not just somebody being like i want to be a nurse give me money you know it's, it's somebody actually like yeah, yeah they yeah. pretty much have to show you that they're passionate about what they're going to do precisely yeah. yeah so so we we pick the person that we feel is the most passionate about their field and give it to them has uh so this will be the fourth year correct yep as and so that means whoever got it in the first year is probably almost graduated by now depending on what they ended up going to do uh, yeah sure in what field has anybody ever like graduated from here and you know graduated with you know a scholarship in the field that you donated it to and actually like gone on to do anything whether it be community college or anything else you know that i, I can't say oh. i don't know Maybe that would be a fun thing to do. It'd be to bring back some of the old scholarship winners or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, like see, or, or at least like look them up and see what they're doing or something. Yeah, like do that. like a little mini, to me, mini documentary. Yeah, that's a good something idea. Like that, I'll yeah. I'll head that up for you. I'll get on the get on my sleuth hat. My there you go. My Doctor Sherlock Holmes hat or whatever. And get out there and figure some of that stuff out. Hmm. You know, I I I've said it a billion times over. It's a common occurrence on this podcast, but I, I do have to just say it again. You're like you're definitely one of the most inspirational people around the area as far as music wise. I would I would put you on the Mount Rushmore of what I would. I mean, I, I know you don't like hearing this stuff, but <laughs> I'd put you on the Mount Rushmore of the area as far as like musicians, people that inspired me, people that showed me what like what is the right way to do things, um, what's the right way to treat people, and what's the right way to um, go about performing and things like that i mean as far as like i started giving guitar lessons and i realized like oh, this is actually difficult and when you said 40 students i was just like what the fuck that's a lot of students because like the most i ever had was eight and i was yeah. and i was like drowning in it you know like 40 was a bit much yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many do you have now because you're teaching it is it sweeney's right I'm at mcsweeney's yeah. yeah school of performing arts um i think i'm probably up to maybe 15 Something like that. Yeah. Is that a good manageable number? Or? You know, it's two days a week, you know, really. And I guess three days if you count just a couple morning lessons. But It's not too shabby. And, and I'm a little bit, you know, I, I, I don't know if I should say this or not, but I'm a little bit more selective about the students I keep now, mm-hmm. I guess, you know. Um, there were a lot of, you know, obviously when you have 40 students, how many of them do you think are really happy to be there? You know? Yeah. Because a lot of the times you get those kids that thought it was cool and parents made them stick it through you know after they didn't want to do it you know yeah and so i i am a little bit more selective i have no problem you know telling a parent like you know yeah this isn't gonna hurt them but you know maybe have them go somewhere else maybe another teacher would do better you know you know, um, there's something to that too. Not yeah. that you're not a good teacher or I'm not a good teacher, but sometimes people just click and jive with other people a lot better. Right. And and I admittedly as a teacher don't have much wiggle room, I guess, as far as how I teach, you know. Mm-hmm. I have a certain way of looking at music, you know, and and whether it be theory or technique or whatever, you know. And so it's like, okay, well th- this is what I think is going to get you to this point. You know, if you want to mm-hmm. learn this song, this is what you need to practice, you know. And you know, I'm probably not the funnest guy to sit in front of if, if you're a nine-year-old kid. You know, you yeah. know, you know I'm, I'm not sitting there cracking dad jokes at him or anything like that. You know, <laughs> and and so yeah, some kids do take to it quite well. You know, and it's and it's mostly just the studious type. Yeah. You know, so I'm sure there are, 
you know, I'm, I'm definitely not like, hey, bring your kid to me instead of anybody else because, you know, there's kids that don't jive with me because I'm not a very fun guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm not a fun guy for a kid anyway, you know. And so, it, you know, it, it's more the studious types, the the types that would probably be student, good students anywhere. Oh, but, yeah. but you know, I, you know, if you have something of value to show them, then show it to them. I remember you saying something recently about how you might like slightly start to alter how you go about giving lessons based on reading a Victor Wooten book. That's right. Yeah. And, and I'm still taking notes on it, you know, and, and I have to credit Brad Hofing for that, actually. Uh, the mysterious Brad Hofing, who's never been on the podcast. Yeah, we're not even sure if he's a real person on no, this podcast. No, he's not. He's not, actually. I think it's just a character. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even a real person, no. Yeah, the cat's out of the bag. Um, but, yeah, he did lend me this book. I would suggest any musician reads it. Do you know, you know, do you know, know what it's frankly. called off the top of your head? Uh, the Music Lesson is what it's called. You know, and, and it's kind of a silly book, you know, in a lot of regards. You know, and I wouldn't even call it a well-written book. You know, it's by Victor Wooten. You know, he's not a good writer, which I don't think is a real big dig because he doesn't have to worry about writing a book. Yeah, you know, because he's like the guy for bass. You, yeah, know? Like, you know, like the guy's got his stuff figured out. Oh, yeah. So I don't feel bad saying he's a bad writer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but. You know, it'd be like me being like, Jeremy, you're a bad mechanic. You know? Yeah, like, it's, yeah, like, it's like, like, oh, the, geez. The, oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, precisely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. Also, it is a genius book. I, I, I think the book is genius, and, and it, I'm actually planning on changing my curriculum a lot based off of just the aspects of this book and how, how there's an outlook on music. Yeah. yeah a different outlook, so, something that's even, like, it's sometimes silly and unbelievable, but I think worth it, you know, because cause I'm, I'm, I've always been a romantic when it comes to music you know then there's certain songs that no matter how many times i hear them are always going to rock my world mm -hmm. you know um i don't care to learn about any personal details about any famous musician you know i really don't care to read autobiographies or anything like that because it doesn't make any difference to me you know i, I don't care what kind of person they are what they think about anything you know either they present a craft that moves me in a certain way or they don't you know and nothing about them is going to change that mm -hmm. it's not going to enhance it it's not going to diminish it i just think it's irrelevant i guess when it comes down to needing to know personal details about musicians yeah but this is a book to where it's worth it it's worth to know personal details about what this guy thinks so it's not like an autobiography then no i wouldn't say so but it, it's supposed to be a book that's based off of what he considers his most formidable years of learning music which happened after he was already a pretty accomplished player and then he meets this mysterious cat it's really kind of unsure whether you know it, it's pretty open-ended on whether this book is a, a lie or not whether it's even true or not yeah. any of the stories that he tells um so maybe he met this guy he presents it as fact you know but also, at the very beginning of the book, he has some quote that says something like, you know, what is truth really? Or something like that, you know, you know, so, so it makes you wonder. And, and there's some pretty unbelievable things that happen story-wise in this book. But, you know, the, the ground-level morals of every story is actually pretty um, astounding, I guess, to me. 
Yeah, you know, to think of it in in such a way, and in such a way that makes so much sense when it comes down to the moral of every chapter. I mean, okay. So at first you said he's not a. It's not a well written book. It's not. No, no. But, but the concept of it all actually sounds like an allegorical novella of sorts. Like it's. Well, well, that's the thing is is because the morals of of the story of every book is pretty profounding. However, like the dialogue, he he tries to write dialogue and and whatnot in the book, and it's okay. not the dialogue's not well done. It, it's a very kind of silly and amateurish kind of dialogue to where you can say, okay, someone who has never written a novel is writing dialogue right now. Dude, but you can tell writing you know, you writing know. dialogue is very difficult. Yeah, to make it believable and yeah. stuff, and and the dialogue as it's written is just like silly. Okay. You know, you know, but the overall message of what's getting put across is is sound, in my opinion. Well, God dang, I'm gonna have to check this book out. I, I remember we talked about it like a couple months ago, and I was just like, "This sounds like a cool book." And now, the more that you explain it, the more I really, really want to check it out. Because yeah, it, and and I might be you know a book snob too, because I read a lot. So so maybe I'm true. maybe it's just a book that people would think like. The average reader might be like, "No, this is fine," mm-hmm. you know. But I've I've read so much novel, so many novels that I guess maybe I'm picky. <laughs> I don't, no, I you know I totally get what you're saying because like you've I'm sure you're like me where you've read some books and you're like the dialogue. I I'm not trying to like just agree just to agree, but sometimes dialogue in books is not it's it feels bland or like super forced, you know? Yeah, sure. Or it's like then I sit down. And I'm like, well, if I tried to write dialogue, what would it be like? So I've like tried to write like short stories or just conceptual type things down before and it's like dude my dialogue sucks in this. Right, know, it right. doesn't sound like what real people would talk like Precisely, it, that's to make it believable that's the thing about the book is you know you read the dialogue and you're like ain't no one that talks like that no <laughs> you know, no. no no one would say that or react that way you know it's almost like a, a b-level 80s action movie Precisely. just horrible Precisely. A, um, yeah that's how the dialogue's written yeah but it's a great book yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone go read the book <laughs> Um, one of my favorite things, and I don't know, I think we talked about this too, but like, uh, Victor Wooten had a Ted talk about what, what it was like to play music. And, and I, yeah, you have told me about this, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Like the, I'll have to send it to you. I may have, I don't think I said, I I think I told you I was going to, and I never sent it, but the concept was pretty much just like when he was a kid and his family played music, they just like gave him a toy guitar. It made noise, but they were just like, here, play along with us. And so he was just kind of like strumming along, making noise while everyone else was playing music. But eventually, like he played some notes that fit, and people were just like, "Holy cow, that fits!" You know. And then he started stringing a couple notes together, and it's like that actually works out pretty well. And he likened it to like talking. So like when you're a kid and your parents are like trying to get you to talk, you're just doing kid stuff like goo gooing and gagaing, which, you know, it's nothing. But the first time you say mom, all of a sudden it's just like everyone blows up and they're like, that's cool. You did something that fit, you know, and that's the playing a note or something that actually worked out well. And then before you know it, you start to string a couple words together and then maybe a whole sentence. And before you know it, you're doing dialogue with somebody else. And Precisely. And, and he talks at length about that in the book. Really? Uh, yeah. I yeah. wonder if that's where he got the... I wonder if somebody from the TED team like read the book and invited him over to Maybe. talk about that. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, yeah. He, he <clears throat> um, especially when it comes to technique. Um, there's a great chapter on technique in the book where the the whole moral of the story is that technique isn't anything that you want to think about. 
you never want to have to think about what you're doing with your right hand as you're playing. Your your whole idea is just to think about the music that you're making, you know. And so it comes down to muscle memory, which is something that I've pushed on all of my students, you know. Like, this is just muscle memory. Like, we want this, you know, your right hand has to keep moving, you know. Mm-hmm. This is mindless. Like, yep. you, you don't even have to want to think about it. You, your, arm, your arm should just be doing this by itself. The whole should, time. It's yeah. a mindless task, you know. Yeah. Sit in front of a TV show and practice this. Yeah. Yeah, you know, get your mind off of it. This isn't this isn't mind memory. It's muscle memory. Mm-hmm. You're training your arm, not your mind. So you might as well do something else with your mind while you practice it, you know. Yep. And um, they, they touch hard on that. But they take it, you know, a few steps further because, you know, he talks about, you know, when, when you're learning how to talk as an infant – um, you're not concentrating really on whether your tongue is pressing against your teeth to make a certain noise oh, or, or going against the roof of your mouth. You're not sitting there thinking, like, what do I have to do with my tongue to say this word? You're just mouthing out words, and, and you're practicing with what he calls masters because, you know, anyone who speaks proficiently in their language is a master at it. Mm-hmm. It's just not impressive because everyone's a master of it. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know, dude. Yeah, and, and and so it's like, yeah. So there's nothing special about mastering your language. You know, you know, it's your native tongue. Yeah, you, know, you know. But when you didn't have to practice to do it, but you did practice doing it, just because you were sitting there playing with masters the mm-hmm. whole time, you know. And so music should be no different. You know, all all you have to do is learn a technique enough to know what the technique is, and then outside of that put your mind on something else until it's done and really your your body already knows how to do it nothing really changes much about your body to learn a technique mm-hmm. you can learn how to sweet pick or something you know and nothing really about your arm changes it's not developing a new muscle that yeah. makes it possible yeah. like so it's you had like you, you had all the spinach and get all pop yeah yeah you had all the tools to do it the whole time it's just you had to be like okay, yeah, this information is attainable. We know exactly what we have to do. And then you just have to be like, do it. You know, what What are the barriers really? Mm-hmm. You know? It's just time and energy is really all it is. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and, I, and I think I, I, I theorize that the more proficient that you get at the, this line of thinking, the less time and energy it takes to, to master any technique. And I feel like if you start to look at it this way, it starts to break down a lot of barriers that you put in front of yourself which are, you know, mental barriers, like this is hard, you know. Once you start thinking things like this is hard or this is impossible or I hope I don't screw this up, the second that you start thinking about screwing up, you screw up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, and, and so the more that you can train your mind to, to just be like, okay, I have all the, the faculties to do this, you know, right here at my disposal, I, I think it, everything's pretty doable yeah. on an instrument. You know, I actually like that was a concept I I thought of organically on my own, and it's like it's like might be a cousin to what you're talking about. By the way, this is all like prolific. It's so prolific. It's like opening my eyes. But do you recall when you first started like learning the guitar? Did you ever like learn some like really goofy, crazy hard songs out of nowhere? Like when you were first starting? Immediately. Yeah. All I wanted to do was play Pantera and Metallica. Yeah. So so those were the immediate songs that I learned. Yeah, and it, I. Th- it was the same way with me. It's like I learned some Steve Vilex and I learned some weird like finger picking stuff. And it's like, like the whole reason I think I was able to learn that was because everything was difficult. So nothing was like more difficult than anything else. Nothing was like out of the realm of possibility. When it's tough to make bar chords, it's just like, well, that's hard. Well, so is this and so is that. They're all equally hard. So why not just pick one and go with it? And it wasn't ever like I was just like, 
uh, you know, like Metallica is impossible. Can't do it. Nobody can do this. This is it's too tough. You know, might as well just play the Ramones instead. You right. know, like because I didn't have a frame of reference for what was exactly how hard it was. And I think that like the better we get, like you said, it's it's almost like we look at like oh, sweet picking. I'll never be able to sweet pick. You know, and then you you put it on this pedestal, and you're never going to be able to attain it now because you've got this mindset of it's it's beyond my grasp yeah you so know? why try or if you do try you're not giving it your full effort because it's like i probably can't do this anyway yeah you know and that probably uh, you know it probably applies to anything you know in yeah. life <laughs> you, you know you know and and you know, that's the thing that correlates so beautifully between music and life is that you know i, I took notes just off of this book on every aspect of music that they named which is like i think nine nine aspects whether it be technique rhythm you know space whatever whatever that they establish in this book and um i took notes and applied it um specifically to language it's like okay so if you take this technique how does this pertain to language and every technique pertains to every aspect as far as i'm able to discern to being a well-spoken person mm-hmm. like a really well-spoken person you know we're all we all speak in our own ways and to varying degrees or whatever and someone might get on a stage and choke or something like that you know mm-hmm. but in a room full of four people they might you know speak very well mm-hmm. but but if if you're just to say okay what's like the ideal spoken person they would be proficient in every aspect of music that they present in this book yeah um so so the way that you can view okay well what would i have to do on this instrument to be able to attain this like is it my technique is it the fact that I'm not listening enough to know whether I'm doing it truly correctly or not, which is a problem for a surprising amount of musicians mm-hmm. who play and don't necessarily hear what they're playing. They know whether it's vaguely right or not, mm-hmm. you know, but, but they're not necessarily listening to like, should I be attacking the strings this hard? Should I be doing something else, you know? And, and so that, that's like to, you know, you could liken that to someone who speaks too loudly in a room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know they haven't mastered that technique in yeah. their speech or somebody yet. who's just too soft spoken precisely time, you know? yeah and, you know and you can you can pertain that to like yeah that's what you should work on as a conversationalist and as a musician you know if you suffer that same problem oh my god i'm just running down all the stuff it's like you you play too fast you talk too fast you know precisely you know, yeah play too slow talk too slow um yeah, need to work on how the tone of what you're doing, how it comes out. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, there's a difference between if you're if, on a guitar, if you're taking all down strokes on a certain riff, and you're supposed to, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell if someone's doing alternate picking, going yep. up and down on the riff, even though it's the same notes, mm-hmm. you can tell the difference. It's, it's the same, you know, way if you listen to someone who speaks in, you know, a velvety tone or has a harsh tone of voice, you know, mm-hmm. it all pertains to language, you know, it's all just, you know, it's all just based off of musicians talking to each other. A drummer's talking to another musician when he's, when he's playing drums, he's like, this is, this is what we're doing. This is what the subject is, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, you know, the lyrics have to fall in rhythm, you know, uh, the bass player has to be doing his job. Mm-hmm. You know, if the bass player is not doing his job and you lose out that bottom end, you know, there's something uninteresting about it. You know, someone can be talking about an interesting subject, but not speak about it well. Yeah. You know. Oh my God, this is all like insanely prolific. Uh, anybody, if you're looking for the book, it was Victor Wooten, The Lesson. Is that what it was called? 
the music lesson. The music lesson. Yeah. So uh, bookmark that. Write it down. Victor Wooten, the music lesson. I I gotta buy a copy of it. I know I could probably just wait and borrow Brad's copy or your yeah. copy or something, but I'm gonna have to get me a copy of this. Uh, it's it seriously it just sounds so prolific. The analogies and the connections between that and like not just spoken word but like you said real life it's it's yeah it's it's pretty crazy it's getting pretty deep it's worth a read (laughs) i'm buying a copy after i give it back to brad (laughs) fictional brad fictional brad not a real person no you know uh uh so once again i mean we're getting close to an hour we've encompassed an hour so let's let's cover all the all the details one more time. Uh, Reforge Initiative, you're giving out four scholarships. This is a fundraising event. All of the money raised goes back to the scholarships, 100%. Nothing's going to the bands. You've got people and businesses, local businesses, donating their time and money to this. Yeah, and, and the uh, Fort Dodge Fine Arts Association has done a lot of legwork. A crazy amount of legwork. The, they're they're as much responsible for it as us. In actuality, honestly, so. I'd have to give tip my hat to them. They've they helped me out when I first started the podcast and kind of put me in some people's ears nice. to kind of help me out. That always, and I'm not even from Fort. I mean, I'm up from like 20 miles north. But yeah. the, like like I said, they they know what's going on and they they tend to be watching and listening and helping. They're when, doing good work. Yeah, it's it's very good stuff there. So. Uh, $10 entry fee. It's five o'clock Friday, which is tomorrow. 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 Yep. yep. Through the wonderful world of editing. It's tomorrow. It's, it's $10 to get in. You get a free drink ticket. Well, the $10 gets you a drink ticket and food. Yep. And, and not, like we said, it's not just a ham sandwich with mayo. It's, no, it's, it's going to be good food. Uh, yeah. Iowa barbecue society gave the food. So, oh my gosh, this is going to be so good. So yeah, I'm stoked to go. I can't wait to go there, watch some bands, talk to some people. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of my peers and friends there. So, um, anything we didn't talk about, about the scholarships that you want to, or about, uh, about um, the only other shout out I should give is to 92.1. Um, they gave us, we're, we're running, uh, radio advertising as we speak. And so, um, they gave us a really good deal on it just for the cause, and uh, the regional rock hour is going to be broadcasting live tomorrow um, from the event. Nice. That's going to be so cool. Uh, once again, Mason, I've talked to him before on the podcast. He's been a, uh, an inspiration for me to do what I'm doing. Um, and, I mean, like, I, I probably wouldn't be doing this if Mason wasn't doing what he's doing. And it's so weird that two people right next to each other kind of have the same, somewhat sort of the same platform to do the same kind of things. But, like, we'd both do them differently, so it, uh, neither one of us are ever offended by one another. Yeah, uh, doing we're both we do. doing God's work. Oh, my gosh, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little bit of God's help. No, uh, dude, speaking of people doing God's work, you're helping out a community and not just the community of musicians by doing what you're doing. And I... I don't think it can be undersold to say like how good of a thing you're doing um you deserve all of the praise that you get over the next few days for this for this opportunity you're giving the community and the people around you the youngsters and and everybody so uh i just gotta like i said i i don't have anything to do with this i didn't get a scholarship i'm not performing but i have to say thank you just for you doing what you're doing it literally doesn't affect me one bit but it's such a great cause, and it's uh. Well, we just came up with an idea, and everyone else did the work for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for doing all the work. Uh, Jeremy, it's always great to have you on the podcast. I think it was almost, almost exactly a year ago the last time you were on the podcast. So, so I, I'd have to double back and look. But it seems like 
I mean, you were on like one of the first episodes, and then you were in somewhere in the '90s, and now it's about a year later. So you know, about once once a year, I've had you on the podcast, and it there always seems go. like you're doing something new every time. So <laughs> that's really cool, man. Uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast, man. Thank you, brother. Whoa! Did I tell you that was a good one, or what? What? You know, like I mean, this is probably by far one of my favorite conversations I've ever had with Jeremy. I don't, I don't know why. I got to dig in a little deep. I asked him some weird questions. We talked about music we like, music we don't like. We talked in depth about giving guitar lessons. We talked about the Reforge Initiative show, which one more time, it is not tomorrow, uh, as we talked about it in this episode. I was, like I said in the intro, I was certain that I was going to drop this the day before the show, but I'm dropping it a week early. So my, my mistake, the link is in the description section to the event. Click on it. Say you're interested, say you're going, put it on your calendars, tell your friends. It is Friday, July 30th, 2021, from 5 to 10 p.m. at River Hops Brewing in Fort Dodge. Once again, it's Friday, July 30th, from 5 to 10 at River Hops in Fort Dodge. This event is so, it's for such a good cause. And like I said in the episode, it's, I, I know he gets a lot of credit for doing this stuff, and the people around him that help him do this stuff get a lot of credit too, but... It should not be something that's unsung. This is such a cool thing that goes on for the community. And it's not even directly my community. It's a little bit south of where I live and where I grew up. But I still want to support this as much as possible because it is such an amazing thing that's going on. So hats off to Jeremy. And I also got to say hats off to Jeremy for the great conversation in here. I uh, He's one of my favorite guitarists in the area. But it's nice to know that somebody that's one of my favorites also has his own favorites in, in the area. You know, so... Even though a lot of us look up to Jeremy, Jeremy looks up to his, his peers as well, which is kind of a cool thing because we're all kind of just looking up to each other. And we're all kind of like somewhat wowed by each other's abilities. And uh, it, it's just such a cool thing to be that supported by everybody. You know, even the people that are, you know, you might think would be at the top of the list uh, still kind of turn around and look at other people and say, I like what this person's doing over here. It's like, yeah, you're cool, but he's like, yeah, but you got to check out what this guy's doing over here. Check out what this gal's doing over here. These older guys can rock. This younger dude rules, you know, and it's it's a whole bunch of that stuff going on. And I think that's probably one of my favorite things. You know, Jeremy's always been a pretty humble guy as far as his abilities and stuff, but, you know, he's, he's just such a great guy in general, and I'm glad I got to sit down and talk with him again. Um, we talked about it at the end of the episode. It's, it's been almost a year since we've had him on the podcast. Hopefully we can change that. Let's get him on here a little bit more frequently. I know he's playing tons of shows. If nothing else, I'm going to have him on here at least once a year to talk about that Reforge Initiative show and kind of keep everybody abreast of what's going on. I do know that they may or may not be doing uh, another album in Brutal Republic. I've heard rumblings of that, so uh, check out the Brutal Republic links as well down below. And check out a Jeremy Ober show. And there's no better place to check out a Jeremy Ober show than Friday, July 30th at the third annual Reforge Initiative Scholarship Fundraiser. That's 5 o'clock to 10 o'clock at River Hops in Fort Dodge. It's going to be a heck of a show. I can't wait. I requested all the days off. I turned down bookings. I'm going to this show. So if you want to come say hi to me, just go to the show and, and try and find me. I'll probably be wearing an Audible Farm shirt or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Just come by the show and say hi. Maybe I'll give you a sticker or something. Who knows? It's going to be such a great show for such a great cause. All the money is going back straight to the scholarships. The bands are working for free. Companies in the community have donated their time, energy, and money to this as well. It is going to be a wonderful, wonderful event all around. So uh, hats off to Jeremy Ober, the Reforge Initiative, and, and everybody that's helped him put this event on for the third year in a row. So uh, kudos to you guys. You're all doing great work, and I, I love it. I absolutely love it. 
If you guys want to support the podcast, the easiest way is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, wherever you're listening to this, hit the subscribe button. If it's YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. I'm, I'm trying my best to get this thing up over 300. If we get it over 300, I will give out the first 20 Patreon videos for free. I'll just put them on the YouTube channel and anyone can listen to them or watch them or, or whatever you want to do with them. That's, that's kind of what I'm going for here. I know we've had a few people subscribing in the last few weeks. I really appreciate you guys doing that it's uh it's pretty simple it's inconsequential to most people but it means the world to me so thank you guys very much for subscribing to the youtube channel otherwise subscribe wherever you're listening on podcasts here and if you're listening to this and you're saying what's patreon well patreon is a place you can go and you can watch the video versions of this podcast and it only costs one dollar a month one dollar a month is all it costs you can watch video versions of the podcast that's four episodes a month or more and it only costs you 25 cents an episode pretty much which is not at $12 a year, that's less than one month's worth of Netflix. I mean, come on, you know, but at the same time, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. We also have merch available at the Audible Farm shop, Audible Farm, uh, shop.audiblefarm.com. There's a link to that down in the description section as well. Check out the Audible Farm shop. We've got t-shirts, keychains, stickers. I'm all out of hoodies, but we do have uh, uh, t-shirts with more new designs coming in. Those are coming in probably later this week or next week. So keep your eyes peeled for those. We're going to have all sorts of goodies coming in. If you don't want to support monetarily, that's cool. Just make sure you hit subscribe and listen every week wherever you've been listening already. The episodes are always going to be free uh, on YouTube and all of the podcast streaming services. So if you don't want to pay money for this, that's totally fine. You can just listen to it for free and uh, just enjoy the goodness that is the Audible Farm podcast. If uh, you're looking to be on the podcast, Hit me up. I had a couple people hit me up in the last couple of weeks. I need to get back to them, and uh, hopefully we can schedule something for them. Because I'm learning about, about bands I've never even heard about, and it's so cool because some of them have amazing music out there, and I would think it would be pretty cool to have them on the podcast. I've talked to a lot of people I've never, ever talked to before or I never knew before, so it's going to be a pretty cool thing uh, to check them out. So hit me up if you want to be on the podcast. I'll do my best to get back in contact with you. Sometimes I, I go in you know, back and forth between being really busy and not busy at all. So just hit me up if you want to be on the podcast. We'll try and work something out. All right. That's the end of the episode. I'm going to say it one more time. That third annual Reforge Initiative fundraising event is, it's a scholarship fundraiser. All the money goes back to the Reforge Initiative to give out scholarships. The bands are working for free. It is Friday, July 30th, 2021 from 5 to 10 p.m., and it is at River Hops Brewing in Fort Dodge. Brutal Republic will be there, and so will Riddled with Class. It's going to be a great time. You do not want to miss this show. All right, I'm out of here for this week. I'll check you guys again next week. Peace. Peace.